0: And hey, welcome to Sunday Coffee, live from the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starkville. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. Well, this morning, we decided to go off the beaten path just a little bit, talk about the business of sports. And, of course, we're brought to you by Strange Brew Coffeehouse. Strange Brew, three locations, one right here on University Drive. That's where I went and got mine this morning. Charlie, I'm not a guy that likes flavors of a lot of things that I do, but I love the blueberry cobbler. And every time I go in there, I'm a creature of habit, and I get the blueberry cobbler every single day. Now, some of these guys get a lot of different things. Some, some guys just get regular coffee. I'm a blueberry cobbler guy, and I know that probably surprises you.
1: No, it doesn't surprise me because I figured, being from Nanawoya you like a little sophistication or sweet in your <laughs> coffee. You know, I'm, I'm more old school, Bart. I just went in to the same University Drive location, Bought a new coffee mug, by Got the way. Got a mug. Nice. Yeah, they have good mugs in there. And they do. reasonably priced. So I purchased a white maroon Strange Brew coffee mug in which my coffee is pure black. But we're going to talk about the business of sports today.
0: Yep. Of course, they have Churn and Spoon as well. Have a, the original location on Highway 12. And then, of course, in Tupelo as well, Brupelo. So go by and check them out. Uh, Shane Reed, our friend. His dad on Woody's and Noxipater. I'm the still model.
1: trying to shake the Woody's pounds from when they served all those tater babies and chicken strips here in Starville back in the current Strange Brew location.
0: The best time to ever go into Woody's. Midnight. Yes, yes. <laughs> <For> <laughs> right a Na- after a noxipater Nanawaya game. That's where you're going, isn't it? The best time to go into to Woody's and pater for a Nanawaya guy is after Nanawaya wins at Noxipater.
1: Yeah, I saw that one coming. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So... So we're going to talk about the business of sports today, which means that you are not terribly interested in talking about who looked good in helmets and T-shirts the past couple of days. Is that what you're telling me? Well, Do you want to talk about the improvement
0: of our left tackle or our right guard situation without I have, pads on? Yeah, I have gone out to practice. I had several people ask me, Bart, are you going out to practice? Absolutely. I walked out there for like five minutes the other day, and I realized real quick it's shorts and T-shirts. And here's the thing people ask me all the time about going to practice is every time I go to practice, I'm reminded I'm going to football practice and about how much I hated football practice. And if the wide receiver looks good, I'm going to leave there saying, well, gum that cornerback, man. And so you don't know whether to feel good, whether to feel bad. And two, like you said, there's a lot of heroes that emerge in shorts and T-shirts. And then when you put the pads on and then you start playing football, sometimes things go a little bit different. Sometimes the guy who is not good in shorts and T-shirts becomes the guy when you put the pads on. Yeah, they're kind of a separator, aren't they? Yeah. So I'm not not knocking guys that go to practice. I understand some people like that. I'm not a guy that likes going.
1: You didn't like to practice as a player, I bet, either. I did did
0: not. No, I did not. That's why we talked about a couple weeks ago. Well, last week with Brad Peterson, hose water, (laughs) man. Every time I go back to a football practice field, that tinge in the back of my throat of hose water comes back. Anyway, sorry to digress. Charlie, we have Lee Van Horn with us. Lee,
2: what is your official title? I am the Associate Athletic Director for Legislative Compliance. And that's a new position, am I right? It is. It was created earlier this year specifically to deal with name, image, and likeness uh, in the athletic department.
0: So that's what we're going to talk about today. We talk about the business of athletics is name, image, and likeness, NIL. It's completely different than NLI, which a lot of times some guys around my office, like Stephen Foshi, will say, hey, the NLI, no, 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 that's National Letter of Intent. It's, this is name, image, and likeness.
1: Uh, I could qualify for neither.
0: Okay, All right. And we also have, from the compliance office, introduce yourself, sir. You talk about royalty right here.
3: Uh, Steve Smith, Senior Associate AD for Compliance. All
0: right, so not only do Did we – Did you not
1: know who he was and you had to get him? It's kind of like what I do with my wife when somebody comes up and speaks and you don't know their name and you say, like, this is my wife Jennifer and no, hope that they'll say who they are or something. Now here's
0: the thing about Steve. Steve's been here as long as I have. When we get together, we know some stories. You always have to have dirt on people to hang so around.
1: leverage is what you're
0: saying. To hang around as long as we have – And Steve and I can get together, and we know good stories. About just about everybody here. Am I right, Steve?
3: Oh yeah. Can we? We probably can't tell them on the radio.
0: No, 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 no. And you've got a file. I know with the compliance guy, he's got he's, <laughs> he's got like a Nixon right <laughs> at the list. <laughs> he's got a Manila folder <laughs> sitting back there in the office of saying, "Okay, here's Bart's file. <laughs> here's
3: <laughs> what do I need to say today.
0: Here's Mike Ritchie's file right here. Okay, it's a little bit thinner, probably. Than, his
3: is pretty
1: clean
0: than mine. All right, guys, we wanted to get together, and one of the things that has been talked about from a national standpoint starting in July. July 1 was the name, image, and likeness going into effect. And, Lee, I guess we start with you, Lee Van Horn. And, first of all, Lee is a Mississippi State guy, worked with baseball, worked in media relations. I mean, you got your start in media relations a long time ago. You did baseball media relations. What, in in minor league baseball? You were in Albuquerque, right?
2: Yeah, so – Actually, when I came to school at State, I started in media relations with Joe Deer and worked my way up from there, left State once I graduated, went to work in minor league baseball with the Albuquerque Isotopes, the AAA affiliate of the Colorado Rockies, and then had an opportunity to leave that job and actually come back to State as director of baseball ops for, at the time, Coach Cohen's last year. Baseball ops for a couple years, then moved over to administration, went to law school, Finished up law school and came back and now handling name, image, and likeness.
1: He was on a pretty good run until he went to law school.
2: (laughs) I've got a Southport.
0: I'm sitting around a table right now with a bunch of lawyers, and so I think I'm just going to let you guys talk. Use your language because I'm not fresh on the legalese.
1: No, I think that's the good thing for Lee. He was smart enough at a young enough age to realize this isn't a great way to live your life. So going, although sports may be the second worst way to live your life, he has at least found a different landing spot. All right, so, Lee, let me ask you this. We've talked a lot. You hear everybody is picking up the paper. They're going to the Internet. We don't pick up the paper anymore. We used
0: to pick up the paper. Now you pick up your tablet. I think that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing and doing it so well is because nobody's reading the paper anymore. But that's just me. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, so people now go to the Internet. We see things like, Texas A&M 24-7 location is paying a guy $10,000 to do an interview, paying two guys. Just a few months ago, those are the kind of things that got schools the death penalty. Sum up for us what has changed in the landscape over the past year or two years that brings us to this point where guys can now get paid for being themselves.
2: So this really all started several years ago with the legislator in California jumped out there, thought student-athletes should be able to earn compensation uh, for their name, image, and likeness. So California was kind of the front-runner. They jumped out, passed a law that permitted student-athletes to earn compensation. That law was scheduled to go into effect, I believe, in 2023. Other states took notice, realized this was probably coming. The NCAA did not take action against California to prevent the law. So other states started jumping on the train, and what wound up happening is states started passing laws to go into effect sooner than 2023. Florida jumped out, said their law was going to go into effect July of 2021, and of course, being in the SEC, most of the other states couldn't get left behind. So Mississippi jumped on that train as well and passed a name, image, and likeness law that went into effect on July 1st of this year that essentially says, with a lot of caveats, that a student-athlete can earn compensation consistent with market value for the use of their name, image, and likeness. So many questions
0: based upon that. And there are, have been so many questions that have been posed. And here's the thing about – Charlie was talking about the paper a minute ago, and I'm not taking shots at, at what's turned into a, a terrible, terrible paper, state of Mississippi. But there any articles that are written can take a different angle – and some of the things that I've seen written have said that the states that enacted it put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit. Would it have been better, in hindsight now, would it have been better for states that passed the NIL legislation to just wait and go under the blanket, or is Mississippi in a better situation or Alabama or Florida or or whoever has signed these? Looking back, what was probably
2: better, to wait or to go ahead and pass that legislation? You know, that's a really tough question to kind of think about because the only thing that forced the NCAA's hand to basically lift all NIL restrictions was the fact that there were so many state laws out there. Now, you can say there's schools and states without laws that have more flexibility than we probably do in Mississippi. But on the same token, Mississippi's law is pretty flexible and allows a lot of leeway for the universities and for student-athletes to go out and monetize their name, image, and likeness. It's one of those that you could make the argument that some states are more disadvantaged by having a law, but at the end of the day, all those laws that were passed is what led us to this point, which is allowing student-athletes to monetize their NIL. Every time I talk to an attorney,
0: every time I ask Charlie a question, any conversation we have, when I ask him a question, he asked me three back. And I think that's one of the things about this is anytime you ask a question, there are three questions to be asked. And you talked about market value, setting market value, because that's one of the things that I look at here and say,
2: okay, what's market value? So I'm actually going to back up on you a little bit there. In that sentence that I threw out, That's the basis for the law. Student athletes can earn compensation consistent with market value for the use of their NIL. When we talk to student athletes about it, we talk about two specific things in that sentence, and you have brought up one of them, which is market value. The other is compensation. Compensation, of course, can be anything from cash to goods to services. It can be an oil change. It can be a meal. It can be a T-shirt. And if you're an LSU quarterback, maybe it can be a truck. Not only can you earn that compensation, But as you mentioned, it must be consistent with market value. So what is market value? It's extremely difficult to define. It's probably the one area that our student athletes struggle with the most and the one area we struggle with the most on our end when we review these deals is figuring out what is market value. Uh, Obviously, it was mentioned earlier in College Station, Texas, an exclusive interview may be worth $10,000. I would caution most people when they read those articles and see those deals publicized that we don't actually know on the back end what all went into that deal. So, for example, I just mentioned the truck deal that the LSU quarterback has. We actually don't know what all he's having to do to get that truck. He may be having to run around the world and do a million different things to earn that truck, and that could very well be market value at that point. You know, we've seen deals... We've got one pending right now where a student athlete's going to have to be on a billboard. He's going to have to send some tweets. He's going to have to go to an autograph session. All that's going to add up to a market value of the goods that he is receiving in this deal. That's a very roundabout way of answering what is market value. And at this point, it's a fluctuating dollar value that changes daily. Steve, from a compliance standpoint,
1: one of the things that has been said is, this opens up avenues to pay players, and to some extent it obviously does. It's very different, isn't it, than paying recruits?
3: Yes, it, it is different. And one thing, just to kind of talk about what Lee was touching on, and, and I think goes to speaks to what you're going to, is the NCAA, while they did kind of sit back and, and wait, they do have an interim policy right now, and they do have some guidance that's, that's being put out there. One of the points of the NIL policy the NCAA has is There cannot be agreements without quid pro quo. So to the concerns of kids making money and are they actually getting work, they're just getting paid, they are not allowed to do that. And if there are those type of agreements, that will be an issue. So they do have to actually work. And we can talk about some of the considerations we talked to our student athletes about, but we make sure they understand this is employment. This is a job. They have to work. So paying our players, yes, they're going to get a chance to earn money. Uh, We talked this week about the fact that they have always been allowed to work. There are a lot of our deals that our student-athletes are getting now or submitting that they could have done before all of this. The NCAA granted waivers left and right for kids to use their name, image, likeness in certain business ventures, certain activities, whenever their status as a student-athlete was not the main focus of the activity. Logos were not used, which we can touch on later. And the institution didn't promote it, which is pretty much where we are right now. So there are a lot of those type of activities could have occurred before. Now I think the recruiting piece is still an issue in and of itself, but I think this could take some of the pressure off of that.
0: We're talking to Steve Smith, the senior associate athletic director for compliance and Lee Van Horn, the Associate Athletic Director for Legislative Compliance, here on a Sunday morning in downtown Startwell at the Farm Bureau Studios. Steve, kind of back to your point, I talked to a couple guys who own businesses and they are constantly approached. One is out of state, one is in state. And he's saying that most of the times that I'm approached of, do you want to get involved with my son or my cousin or whoever on name, image, and likeness, it's usually a family member. Going back to Agents. I think of agents in baseball. Charlie and I think about you know how guys can hire people when they're a sophomore, a draft-eligible sophomore, to try to figure out, or even a high school kid can can work with an agent as someone who will work them through the process. Are there agents involved at all of trying to set up deals, or is this literally right now just every kid for his own?
3: No, there are agents involved in this process. And one of the things with our state law, and I think a lot of the state laws out there are – Agents can be hired to help our student-athletes with marketing opportunities. Now, an agent in the state of Mississippi can be a sports agent, can be a marketing representative, can be an attorney that is just providing representation to them, guidance. But the attorney has to be licensed in the state and good standing. The agent has to be registered with the state of Mississippi and, and follow the Uniform Agent Act. And we have seen some deals where some sport agents are being used to by student athletes to help them get marketing opportunities. Now that activity can only be restricted to marketing activities. It can't be for talking to sport teams about their future in sport. It's very restricted and they have to pay them for those services. It can't be a situation where they are doing it for free with the understanding that they may just get a percent of stuff later on or they're gonna work with them later on the road when they if they become a professional athlete.
0: Steve, you've seen this for a long time you've been working in compliance for a long time now when you start looking at the factors of the transfer rule when you start factoring in the nil based upon what you've seen it's it's amazing how college sports have evolved you know so many years ago we started talking about how the cost of attendance was going to change the game in sports is this something that you think is just going to be Commonplace and everything's going to settle down. Is this being? I guess the question I'm asking is this being sensationalized by the media to be more than it is? I think so.
3: I've I've said for a little while. I think this is. I don't say. I don't want to say much ado about nothing. But I think there is a lot more being made of it than it won't be as big a deal later on as it is now. Because I think one, the kids have to work for what what they're going to earn. They have to do something. And you know there are implications on taxes and Pell Grant and parents claiming them as dependents, depending on how much they make. That, you know we can talk about that later. But I, I just think at the end of the day, there are, there's only so much money to go around, and these kids are going to have to work for what they get. And if those opportunities may or may not present themselves as much as everybody thinks they are.
1: All right. So I want to kind of put this in practical terms. I am a guy sitting in my law firm, some unnamed town in Mississippi. And I'm ready to get aggressive doing personal injury law, and I want a defensive lineman who, like, roughs up people. And so this defensive lineman is going to be the face of my ad campaign. We're going to rough up some insurance companies, okay? And we know that good old Farm Bureau stands there for you, so we're not worried about that. But So my question, though, is what do I do? Where do I go? So I got $50,000 I'm ready to pour in this ad campaign.
2: What do I do? So there is no requirement – for businesses to directly contact us before contacting student-athletes. So if you wanted to get involved with the student-athlete, you can go directly to the student-athletes, start negotiating a deal, talk about terms, talk about what you want to give them, what you want them to give you in return. At that point, the student-athlete has to disclose the deal to the university. Steve and I will look at them, make sure that it really doesn't violate the law or any of our policies that are in place, And really, at that point, you can turn around, sign the deal, and go on with uh, whatever activity you want to do. Now, I started by saying there's no requirement that a business contact the university, and there's not. But we certainly encourage businesses to reach out to us ahead of time, give us a heads up. They can bounce ideas off of us. They want to see if something's legal or not legal.
0: But correct me if I'm wrong. They can't call the athletic department and say, hey, listen, I've got $50,000 to spend who do I need to work with? The university can't have a part in this at all. Am I correct on that?
2: Yes. So we cannot act as an agent or any kind of intermediary between student athletes and businesses. They can contact us and discuss what, if a deal would be legal or comply with the rules, we can give them some feedback generally, but we cannot give them feedback specifically on a deal or a student athlete.
1: All right. So I've come to you. I've got a guy that I want to get. I found my player. You've said the deal looks good. Now I want him wearing his Mississippi State jersey. What do I got to do?
2: So that depends on a lot of issues, actually. So we actually break our um, activities down into three categories on whether student athletes can or cannot use logos. The first one is a first-party activity where a student athlete is going to be making money on his own. For example, he's running a camp, a lesson, Maybe he's got some kind of online streaming platform where he puts content up and charges a monthly subscription. When a student athlete is doing one of those activities, making money for himself and a third party is not involved, the student athlete will be able to use Mississippi State logos after it is disclosed to us and we approve it. Free of charge, they don't have to pay a licensing fee. The second activity, which is the one that you're specifically referencing, is any kind of third-party activity. Anytime a student-athlete wants to use logos in conjunction with any kind of endorsement activity where a third-party is involved, the student-athlete must first disclose it to us. Once we review it, it will go to our licensing partner, Learfield, who will have essentially the say-so in whether logos can or cannot be used at that point. And then I'll just throw out the third category is any kind of licensing that the student athlete wants to do on a retail product would follow a similar path. We would approve it and then turn it over to Collegiate Licensing Company, which handles the university's licensing.
0: Well, that's Lee Van Horn, the Associate Athletic Director for Legislative Affairs. This is Legislative Affairs, right?
2: Legislative compliance, but I'll take Affairs. Okay,
0: so. all right. I'm, I'm going to rename everything that you do. I was hoping we could call him like the
1: NL... NILZAR See,
0: I told you, it's easy. Yeah. We got th- those
1: acronyms, there's two they're too close together. We got to do something about that. Yeah, and of but course he, I like NILZAR.
0: Okay, that'll be that'll be good. And we've got uh, Steve Smith, the senior associate athletic director for compliance as well. Steve, here's the thing about Steve is a couple of years ago, Steve lived right beside Tyson Lee. And in the backyard one day, Tyson called one day and he says, "Hey, do you have a chainsaw?" I need to cut down some trees in my backyard. And I was like, sure. And I'm thinking, okay, we're probably talking about, you know, some little old crape myrtles, or we're talking about some dogwoods. I'm talking about something, you know, three or four inches in diameter. I show up, and Tyson's got these pine trees and pecan trees. He's got a, a bodock tree. And then all these suckers are like, you can you can barely reach around them, Okay. And so it's July the 4th. I'll never forget this. And I'm out in Tyson's backyard and I literally almost died of heat exhaustion. I'm talking about literally, I had to get Krista to get some water. And I look in the back and Steve is in his backyard looking at me
3: and laughing.
0: He thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> You're still laughing. laying
3: down on the ground. <laughs> Belly so- up, <laughs> which is raised up pretty high. I was worried about him.
0: So along those lines, you know what I could have used that day? I could have used something from Trax Plus. I could have used some forestry equipment. I could have used an excavator a mini excavator tracks plus they've got two locations in mississippi one in hickory on i-20 that's that hickory exit the other between Startville and columbus on highway 82 and so what tracks plus does they have the forestry equipment it's called barco and then they have their line saney which is their construction equipment and so i could have used some barco forestry equipment that day with those big pine trees i could have used a mini excavator and and Steve would not have seen me laying on my back, <laughs> about to absolutely die. I talked to Tyson not long ago, and he was like, "Let me tell you something. Every every summer when it gets like really hot, I think of you, almost dying in my backyard." Every
3: time I cut a tree down, I think about you. <laughs> you need limb.
0: <laughs> and so, Hydrate. go by and check them out at Trax Plus T R A X Trax Plus Forestry Equipment with Barco and Construction Equipment with Saney.
1: And and they've got things by the way, Tracks Plus. So after you cut that tree down, you could have turned it into mulch.
0: Those mulchers, yeah, those things are awesome. I've
1: been kind of looking at one of those. I don't have anything to mulch, but it looks that just looks like a satisfying process.
0: It is. It's a very satisfying. And we talked about this last week. I would love to see you run a mulcher. I would love to walk into Charlie's backyard one day to see him in chaps and mulching. And using a mini excavator.
1: I'll just say this. If you ever see me in any of those conditions, <laughs> something has gone quite wrong in my life. I would like to drive a mini excavator. I've never been on a tractor I've never been on a bulldozer, no equipment. I've never been on a piece of equipment. Really? Never, not once. But I think we need
0: we need that to happen.
1: Chris Williams can fix me up.
0: Chris Williams can no doubt fix you up. We're talking to Steve Smith, Lee Van Horn. We're trying to figure out all this stuff with name, image, and likeness. All right. So I want to ask the question that
1: I have been asked, and we will see if you can answer this. It has been well documented that Vanderbilt has an advantage when it comes to securing signees in baseball and maintaining a roster of highly compensated young individuals. Mississippi State, meanwhile, one of the few schools in the league that operates under the traditional and much maligned 11.7. Some have suggested, no one affiliated with Mississippi State, this is my own suggestion, and those of others, that in all of our programs, the one that stands perhaps to benefit the most, even the playing field the most with other programs from the N-I-L is Mississippi State baseball because there is nowhere else that a college baseball player is as marketable. You know, Nick Saban wants to brag about what his quarterback got. Just think what Tanner Allen could have been doing the past few years. And I'm
0: not sold on that, too. I mean, a, a guy could get close to six figures, and you're standing in front of a bunch of coaches. You know how that works. It's just almost like you catching the big old fish. Oh, man, I got a guy that's doing – Seven figures, I mean. And then he said it and he had to live with it. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those deals of, okay, I need some documentation on this (laughs) because I really just don't know about that. But go ahead. But
1: what I would suggest to you is that there is not a baseball program in the United States whose individual players will be as marketable as a whole. There's always a jack-lighter. There's those guys. But as a whole, whose baseball players would be as marketable. Am I right that this is a chance to level the playing field somewhat for Mississippi
2: State? I definitely think our baseball student-athletes have a unique opportunity in name, image, and likeness to earn compensation. Now, I do want to back up and kind of reiterate the point we've talked about. It's got to be a legitimate quid pro quo with businesses. There has to be a return from the student-athlete to the business if they're earning compensation. Now, generally speaking right now, deals that we've seen from our baseball players, the single most valuable deal – at Mississippi State right now belongs to a baseball player.
0: And that's really not a surprise. You're right now here early in the game, especially with what just happened. I I guess the question, you know, we've come up with our policies at Mississippi State. How in line are they with other schools? Are there other schools who are willing to say we are going to – I think back to the tax laws, okay? I think back to how the Bulldog Club acted in tax laws in if, if you get points, you can't use your seating to go toward the tax deductibility. Is what we're doing primarily in line with what people are doing? Is it more conservative or is it more pressing the issue with what other schools are doing?
2: Or is everybody doing a blanket? I believe everybody's pretty much in line. But I will point out a couple differences. So, and this will touch a little bit on state law versus federal law. Right now, each state is operating under its own law or if it doesn't have a law, schools in that state pretty much come up with their own policies with some guidance from the NCAA. And I know there's been a lot of discussion that I'm sure folks have heard about the need for a federal law, and that's exactly why, is to put everybody on an exactly even playing field. So, for example, in the state of Mississippi, most universities are doing almost identically the same thing across the board. There's a few differences between, say, us, old Miss, Southern Miss, but they're not enough to really make a difference. There are some states out there, either through law or lack of a state law, where universities are able to do some different things. For example, several weeks ago it came out that Michigan was doing a licensing deal with their own student athletes to sell their jerseys on their official team store. That is all permissible Under, and I don't believe Michigan has a state law, I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's all permissible simply because Michigan does not have a state law. In the state of Mississippi, it is illegal for us to do a deal directly with the player, so as a university, we are not allowed to license our student-athletes' names and sell jerseys with their number and names on them. One that's a little simpler than that, and one that we have to caution our student-athletes on all the time, and it's good for donors and supporters of Mississippi State to know is under the Mississippi law, donors can do a deal directly with a player. So if a donor wanted to pay a kid $25 for an autograph, that's legal in the state of Mississippi. In some states, it is illegal for donors to work directly with a student athlete. So say one of our student athletes is back home in a state that does not allow donors to do deals directly with the student athlete, they could violate the state law in that particular state, which in turn could jeopardize eligibility in the state of Mississippi, even though it's perfectly legal in Mississippi. If the deal happens in a state where that's illegal, that could be a problem.
0: Steve, am I wrong on saying this and bringing up this point? We're talking to Steve Smith and Lee Van Horn before we let you guys go. For so long, the premise of the compliance office and the premise of the university has always been to let's make sure that everyone is under control. Let's make sure that that no payments are being made and to make sure we're as clean on the up and up as we possibly can be because we understand being close to college athletics, the ramifications, the true ramifications of probation and things of that nature. Is it a mindset that has to change now from an institutional standpoint of, you want your kids making money, but you want them making it in the right avenues.
3: Yes, I, I do think there is certainly a paradigm shift in how we think. I do. We I think there's nobody in our athletic department that has a problem with our kids making money and in, in earning income compensation for their name, image, likeness. If they have the opportunity, then absolutely. We, we, we hope that those opportunities present themselves. But it is a different mentality – it almost doesn't feel like it should be happening, but that it, it is, and, and it's okay. So this mindset of our kids can't get this from this booster, well, yes, they can. So, yeah, there is a, a, a shift in how we had to think through this.
0: Different times, boys. I'm telling you, it's completely yeah. different times. And, 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 hey, going forward, you start talking about marketability, and – I'm not against a guy who who comes in here, performs well at the highest level. There are so many questions, whether it be what is this going to do to team chemistry because these guys are not professionals. These guys have not signed pro contracts. And what's it going to do if you have one position making X amount of dollars and what's that going to do for the guy who's the the right guard who is blocking for that running back and giving him that hold and giving him that opportunity? And so – Is collective bargaining at all on the table at all? Do you think you'll ever see a collective bargaining type of agreement, or do you think this is always going to be kind of one-offs and individualized?
2: On some level, there is a company out there doing at least some group licensing deals. I think the two that were publicized most recently was Ohio State and University of North Carolina, specifically centered around jersey sales. So this company came in, essentially is licensed with the university, and with the student-athletes, to print jerseys, and on some level they do a little bit of a rev share. So I definitely think that's a business model that's floating around out there. All right, a couple
1: of uh, rapid-fire questions for you that I know people have asked. First of all, if I am a football coach and my quarterback has signed a deal to give interviews, can I restrict the times and dates and places at
2: which he can do those? Yes. Mississippi State can set reasonable restrictions on dates and times, and it cannot interfere – with any mandatory university event, including practice, class, study hall, all those types of events. Does
1: Mississippi State or any other school have the ability to prevent a player for disciplinary or other reasons for participating in any NIL deals?
2: Yes, we can set restrictions reasonable restrictions on NIL activities, and there's also a list of prohibited categories that include stuff like tobacco, alcohol, e-cigarettes, laundry list of items that are in the state law, and there's also anything that interferes or reasonably is inconsistent with the values of Mississippi State. Those deals can be prevented.
1: And last, have you gotten any offers uh, for Bart Gregory's name, image, or likeness?:
2: <laughs> We did have a student athlete the other day bring us or disclose a deal to us uh, from a local fast food restaurant. I wonder what
0: are you saying here? What are you What are you saying?
2: Well, to be fair, I told her that I could expedite <laughs> her review if I was to get a chicken sandwich as part of the deal. <laughs> We got the deal approved pretty quickly, so she didn't have to give up the chicken sandwich. But I tried to get one out of there,
0: guys. We appreciate you coming up here on your Sunday morning and and hanging out with us. We hope you enjoyed your coffee from Strange Brew. Charlie did not brew his own this morning. Sometimes he brews his own. Strange Brew is a lot better than Charlie's Brew. I can tell you that. So I if you're gonna take it. if you're gonna take shots at me, Charlie, I'm taking shots at you. Your coffee's not good. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's free. And so here's our here's our thoughts on on what we do with our show. And sometimes Charlie kind of feels bad because I'm a part of this. Uh, we try to make you feel smart. We try to educate people with our show.
1: <laughs> Nothing like being educated by a guy from eleven right?
0: <laughs> we Go try- on,
1: tell me about Blueberry Collin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Charlie always finds these stats and ball games that that makes you say, you know what? I feel smarter by listening. And that was our our thought today is. We wanted to get two guys together, because I know there's a lot of people out there that are asking questions and really don't understand name image and likeness and about the, the new age of college sports. And so we just wanted you to learn this morning. With this We wanted this to be a learning Sunday coffee, because we try at times to be very professional. But not as professional as the guys at Bank First. Bank First, better way to bank there. How about that segue? <laughs> oh, that was that's high quality. When I think of Mo Griffin and Marcus Mallory, I think of professionalism. <laughs> and when you start talking about taking out loans for whether it be a new boat, whether it be for a house, whether it be for a business, commercial lending, these guys are the best in the business, and we're proud to, to to say they're a part of our Sunday coffee, and they've been a a great uh, partner with us for a long time Hey, now.
1: look, I I actually this is true. You talk about easy to do business with. I would not be here in Starville if it weren't for Bank First. It was on a golf course seventeen years ago.
0: You play golf? Or are Didn't you play driving? Golf. I owned
1: I own clubs. Okay, so I was on the golf course with Steve Taylor, banker with Bank First. Yep. And I was a lawyer in Dallas at the time. And I said, I want to come back to Well, I said, just can't afford it. And he said, well, how much money do you need? And I told him, he said, you're approved. And I <laughs> got a, that's how I got my bank loan to open up my law firm. And 17 years later, here we are. So uh, Bank First, and, you know, again, it goes back to the people that we deal with and we talk about on our show. These aren't people that we just found in the Yellow Pages. I mean, these are people we do business with, people who've been really good to us. And so... Again, no lie, would not be here but for Bank First.
0: I was on the phone Friday with John Shapley. I know I talk about John a lot. He's a friend, a guy I talked to a good bit, and we saw most of those guys in Omaha. And so Bank First, handling all our banking needs and bringing you Sunday coffee. So thanks to our sponsors, of course, Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starville, Spr- Strange Brew Coffee House for-, for providing the great coffee this morning. Tracks Plus, if you're looking for some forestry equipment, Try not to die in the backyard of your, one of your good friends' house and his neighbors out there laughing at you. Go to Tracks Plus and, of course, our friends at Bank First. For Steve Smith, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Compliance, for Lee Van Horn, the Associate Athletic Director for Legislative Affairs and the Governance. The NIL czar. The NIL czar. And for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Sunday Coffee.